you know, you know what's happening. And I, I just would like us to pause for a while and pray for those people. Shall we? Okay. Father God in heaven, we just want to thank you for, um, for all of us this morning. We are here in uh, sunny Los Angeles and everything seems normal and great. And we just want to count our blessings for, Lord, we're here and we can even come and worship, have fellowship. We have our electricity, our water, our homes. But, Lord, there are so many people uh, out there in the East Coast who are suffering right now, who have lost everything. And I mean everything, Lord. And if, if we can only see them right now, they're, they're, they're lost and they're begging for help all over Lord, the only thing we can do is to lift them up to you because you are our God and we know that you love them too and you can take care of them too, far more than we can. So we commit them to you, Lord. Um, Be the one to uh, embrace them. Be the one to send the help through your sovereign power. We don't understand why these things happen, but we know you allow it, Lord, for the purpose of bringing to mind though we are finite and whatever you give, you can easily take away. So, Father, we pray that you just minister to those people. Use Christians all over the place to bring comfort to those people who are in need right now. Also, dear Father, on Tuesday there will be election in this country. And uh, it has become our country already. So we pray that you will give wisdom to the people to vote righteously, to vote properly, O God, so that this nation, Lord, can become once more a beacon of hope, light to all of the non-Christians all over the world. Lord, we pray that we will do our part as Christians in this place and vote and do our responsibility to do what we need to do to help this country. Father, we pray that you bless this country. It is losing its, its, its hold. It's been slipping. And we pray, Father, that you will just continue to Um, revive the Christians so that there will be hope for this nation. Father, help us to contribute whatever we can do as part of this nation. Make us the kind of Christians that will bring hope to this land. And we commit to you this morning, Father, I pray that this message will once more continue to make us understand who we are in the presence of a great and holy God. Lord, I can't do this apart from you, so just deliver the message for your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me start by saying that, you know, we are constantly under attack by the enemy. You agree? Hello? <laughs> I'm just, I just want to be sure that you're awake. And um, in Ephesians 6.12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. In other words, our enemy is not our wife, our enemy is not our neighbor, our enemy is not our boss, our enemy is the devil. And they are real. And they constantly attack us to divide us one from the other. You understand what I'm saying? So if you look at the person next to you, you tell that person, you're not my enemy. In fact, I love you. Okay, let's let's fight. Oh, I saw one kissing. I saw the kiss. That's good. Okay, um, let's together fight this enemy. But let me show you a video 
um, of what the enemy is doing to each and every one of us. Look, he actually did rise. This changes everything. It does present somewhat of a challenge. Well, it really all depends. On us. And them. And whatever becomes of all of this. We still have influence, even after this. This only makes a difference. If it's true. And it is true. So we create a little doubt. Maybe today it appears to be true. To those who just saw it anyway. To those who witnessed it firsthand, maybe. But in the long run, let's say a hundred, a thousand, two thousand years from now, I doubt if anyone will remember it, let alone believe it. So, a lie. A lie. But there has to be something else. Because a lie doesn't satisfy the emotions. People will always crave an experience. A feeling. Something that drives them to act. Wars have been started. Countries divided, kings betrayed. All because of a ridiculous emotion. Yes, and the truth will still reach far too many people, even if it is clouded and wrapped in deceit, as long as there is just one, driven by, by passion. Passion, yes, passion can use its fire. Emotions can be easily confused. People will always be the problem. And our solution. The way I see it, it's still in the hands of people to share it, teach it, and live it. And when things are in the hands of people, it's always a sure bet that at some point they'll get tired, lazy, busy, distracted, scared. Scared because they fear for their lives. They fear personal embarrassment, being ridiculed, being looked at as free, being excluded. Yes, we have spun a thousand tales, but we will have to be very clever with this one. On this rests all of his promises. All of his promises. So. We'll have to make them fearful, doubt by twisting the facts just a little. And cause them to hate for no real reason. Concoct unanswered animosities. Pass on deep-rooted prejudice from generation to generation. Oh, yes. Hatred. Not only directed to them, but dwelling among them. So that even if it were true, by the time it reached the ears of others, those sharing the truth would be so hated that it wouldn't even matter. No one would listen to them, or want to be like them, or have anything to do with them. And before you know it, they'd just be discarded as self-righteous fanatics. And everyone will focus on their flaws and their humans. And we will direct your attention to the wrong things and to the wrong persons. Taking their eyes off the truth can be just as powerful as a direct lie. We will simply introduce new ways to seek fulfillment. Personal fulfillment. Unveil new gods, so to speak. Mother nature. Money. Power. Self-enlightenment. Chance. At the root of all absolute truth lay its most powerful adversary. Relativism. But what's true for one may not be true at all for another. And what's right for her may not be right for him. As long as it makes them happy. And if we can make others think that scripture is some constricting impossible task, they will lose hope in it. And as they lose hope, they will lose their passion and their direction. And they will begin to bicker over the truth. And allegorize it. And start arguing over things like history, translation, authenticity. And they will plague themselves with ritual. They declare some sense of higher purpose without having any joy. They will create their own stories, develop their own beliefs. We will introduce religion to take the place of relationship. And they will cling to it instead of him. With a simple distortion, bitterness, and resentment. They will grow to hate one another, and people will become afraid. And religion will fight against religion, and people against people, and nation against nation, and nation against nation, and they will be divided because of their misbeliefs. It will actually 
come to the point. All those distractions will be what happened here today. Will be rejected, hated, considered irrelevant, weak, persecuted, mistreated on every corner in, in every nation. Then they will fear to profess their faith. Fear to share their story. Fear to make a difference. Fear to help their neighbor. Fear to worship. Fear to follow yes. him. And then we have won. Indeed. This is what, what they will do. They will hate. And they will lie. And they will live in fear. I wonder if that's all it will take. Well, like we said, underestimate the enemy. And the reason why many people are failing in their Christian walk is because there's too much bombardment from the enemy and the worst part is we believe and we listen. Yes, we are bombarded with lies. Lies by the enemy to stop us from being what? Being true disciples. We want to become true Christians. We want to become true disciples. But you know what? The enemy continues to bombard us with lies so that we become discouraged. So we give up and be lukewarm. Remember the message of our Pastor Reggie last week? I was hit by that message. In fact, my son said, you know, uh, he approached Pastor Reggie and said, Kinurot mo ako Okay. Uh, he, he just mentioned kurot, but that's a term for, I got bothered by that. Lukewarmness. In fact, the message was, we will become boiling crabs, right? No, boiling frog. Okay. That's a restaurant I go to, okay? You know, there's a danger that we can become boiled frogs because of our lukewarmness. And the next thing we know, everything is okay, even if we're not okay. These were the signs that our Pastor Reggie gave us last week. Signs that you are lukewarm. I don't know with you, but you know, many of us have been hit probably by all of this. Somebody said all of the above. What is the sign that you're lukewarm if you're thinking more about life on earth than eternity? Right? But, 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 Pastor Dunnaman. I mean, those are very difficult. Who can do that? Why should I bother to think about eternity? I cannot even relate to eternity. You know? Is there, what do you call that? Shooting? Laser shooting in eternity? Laser tag in eternity? Are there beautiful houses like my house here in eternity? I cannot even relate to that. Okay, what about giving out of leftovers? Pastor Dan Naman. How can I give to eternity? I don't even know the, the bank account of God in heaven. Right? You know, I might as well reserve my money here. I mean, you can, you can come up with all sorts of what? Reasons. So that you will justify what you are doing. You know, I, I don't know with you. With all of these things bombarding us, the load of guilt we're experiencing, plus 
Let me show you this. The stunning warning that Jesus gives. He said, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Ouch! I don't know with you, but you know, last week was really stunning for all of us. But did that make you less lukewarm this week than last week? Or did you continue doing what you're supposed to do, still compromising and straddling the fence as if nothing happened? Why, why, why are we in this, in this situation? The enemy is bombarding us. You know, we realize we're lukewarm, but yet we don't do much about it. You understand what I'm saying? We just keep going around and around as if nothing is wrong. And therefore, Jesus gives his commands, his demands of discipleship. Add to this, this difficult commands, the conditions for being intimate with God and walking in his presence. You want to be intimate with God? You want to be in his presence? Then take a look at the demands of discipleship that Jesus gives us in Luke 9, 23 to 26. And be ready for this. And, you know, this again will kind of dump your spirit or burden you. But it's true. And my purpose is not to burden us this morning, but to unburden us. Trust me. Jesus said, He was saying to them all, His disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must what? He must what? Deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Whoever wishes to save his life and lose it, but whoever, sorry, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and forfeits himself. Wow, these are, these are heavy, right? I mean, he must deny himself. Carry your cross daily and follow me. Lose your life so that I will save it. I mean, these are tough demands, aren't they? Right, Lance? I mean, deny yourself. And then he continued as if putting the same warning as last week. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words... The Son of Man will be ashamed of Him when He comes in His glory. The glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Ouch! Wow! You know, just, just, just take a look at that. Ashamed of me. It's another, it's another word for saying, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Isn't it? And these are really tough demands of discipleship. You know why? You know why Jesus is telling us to do self-denial? Because self-denial is the opposite of being lukewarm. If you want to get rid of lukewarmness, then deny yourself. Ouch. That's hard. I know it's hard. But why did Jesus command it? Because Jesus knows if you don't deny yourself, you will become lukewarm. Really? Okay, let's take a look at that. Thinking more about life on earth than eternity. If you think more about eternity, then you have denied yourself, right? You know, you have denied the attraction of this world. Right? Because you're more excited about eternity. But that's not so easy, Pastor Danny. What about giving out of leftovers? Okay, I'm not going to give out of leftovers. I'm going to give my entire money, bank account, to Jesus Christ. Isn't that self-denial? Right? So if you want to be excited or a true disciple, deny yourself and you will not be lukewarm. But you know, I can go on and on. The only conclusion that I can come up with as I was preparing for this message is, wow, 
This is easy. <laughs> no, it's hard. They're very difficult. And, you know, I came to the conclusion that it seems that being a disciple of Christ can be a burden, not a joy. You agree? I mean, you know, if we keep hearing this, lukewarm, de- deny yourself. You know, the only thing that I can feel as a Christian, well, this is really heavy. Uh, uh, I, I'm not excited about being a Christian anymore. Because it's tough. You know what? That's the devil's lie. And I'm here to talk to you this morning and tell you that that is not true. Being a Christian is not a burden. And in fact, it is a joy. We are missing something, obviously. Why we are not getting from, the, from, from what we're feeling to the reality that it is, be, it is joyful to be a Christian. We need to understand something. We need enlightenment. And I'm here and I'm praying that you will catch it. That you will be enlightened so that you will come out of this door saying, Hey, Christian life is exciting. It's not a burden. And you know, self-denial is, is doable. And self-denial will, will, will make me the kind of Christian that I need to be so that I can make a difference and impact in this world. Right? First of all, let me, let me start by asking you this question. Why can Jesus make such demands? What was the demand of Jesus? Deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you want to gain your life, lose it. Why do you think Jesus can make such demands? Answer? Guys, He modeled it. He lived it, didn't He? In Hebrews 12, 2. I, don't, I cannot show you that. If, you're, if you have a Bible, hey, by the way, you, you are still asked to bring your Bible and open your Bibles, okay? The problem with PowerPoints is you make Christians forget about the Bible. In Hebrews 12, 2, what does it say? What does it say? Jesus Christ, who for the joy set before Him, what? Endured the cross. Right? Is that what it says? Right? He willfully died on the cross because He was looking forward to something. He died on the cross. He suffered for it because he knew what it will bring to all of us. He lived it. He modeled it. Right? Jesus gives us demanding choices. But look at this. The difference is that his promises are reliable and without risk. You know when Jesus says, deny yourself and follow me, He's actually giving you a promise. Look at me. He's giving you a promise. And His promises are what? Reliable and without risk. He will not tell you something that is like fairy tale. He knew what He was doing. When He died and when when He proceeded to go to that cross, He was looking at the point where He will be with His Father seated at the right hand. And the same thing is true for Jesus. And he says, deny yourself. Believe me, my promises are reliable and without risk. And if we choose to believe and trust those promises versus the the promises of the world, then we can deny ourselves. Does that make sense to you? And friends, we call that faith. Faith. Self-denial requires faith. Carrying your cross daily requires faith. You know, the Bible studies today, I believe in Lakewood and in Rosemead, are talking about faith. 
And my burden is for all of us to understand what faith means. You know, if we are to believe in the promises of Jesus, that they are reliable and true, then we have to do it by faith. And what is faith? In the New Living Translation, Hebrews 11, 1 and 2, faith is the confidence that we, what we hope for will actually happen. What? What will happen? What we hope for will actually happen. It gives assurance about things we cannot see. And through faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. Self-denial requires faith. And faith means that you have confidence that what you hope for will actually happen. Without faith, without understanding faith, you will never, ever decide to deny yourself or even lose your life just to gain it. First, let me assure you that being a disciple can be done and has been done. Christianity does not, it, while it looks like a burden today, believe me, people in the past did it. They were successful and they were happy and they were blessed. What am I saying? Let's take a look at the whole of faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, you will see all of the people of the Bible, right? Who have been faithful and God rewarded them. And here's the list. There's Abel, there's Enoch, there's Noah, there's Abraham, there's Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua. I can go on and on. Gideon, David, Peter, Paul. I can assure you that they did what was supposed to be done. They believed, they denied themselves, they took up their cross daily and followed Christ. And because of that, they were what? Nominated in the hall of faith. It can be done. It has been done. Then how come we can't do it? You know, everything that Jesus commanded, these people did. They denied themselves. They took up their cross and follow me. Right? I mean, you know, you, you, can, you, can, you can take a look at uh, Joshua. You can take a look at Gideon. They all did that. They lost their life for the sake of winning it. And they did what they were supposed to do. Let's take a look at Moses. I really like Moses because Moses has always been our center point when it comes to the presence of God. Remember, we're talking about intimacy with God. We said Moses is an example of the person who walks with God and enjoys and demands God's presence. In fact, he said, Lord, I will not do anything unless you are with me. And if you are with me, I will be arrested. I know you will protect me. I know you will provide for me. And look at this man who is, who is so assured of the presence of God. And in Hebrews 11.24, it says, by faith. You see? Moses didn't say, by self. No. He said, by faith. By faith, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By the way, Moses is a prince, right? He was born in Egypt. And he was, he was part of the, uh, the palace. He was rich. And you know what he did? He had grown up. What did he do? He refused to be called Pharaoh's daughter. Isn't that self-denial? Guys, isn't that self-denial? He refused to be called Pharaoh's daughter or a prince. Choosing, see, he says by choice. Choosing, verse 25, rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. And then verse 16, considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for what he was looking for the reward. That is faith. Moses, by faith, how did they do it? I still ask, my question. I, I still ask myself, you know, how, how come these this men of God were able to do it? And here we are struggling, believing that, oh, I'm lukewarm. 
Oh, God wants me to deny myself. This is really so heavy. I can't go on. I don't like this anymore. And they want to confront me because I'm lukewarm. Okay? Oh, I don't like this. But you know, guys, they did it. And my question is this. How did they do it? How did they deny themselves while we feel burdened and struggling? What are we missing? What is it that we need to understand? We are missing something. We need to be great disciples. What is that? I will repeat it. It has been said over and over again in Hebrews 11. What's the word? What's the word? Yes, faith. What did they have that we don't have now? Faith. You say you have faith? You know the word faith, but do you really have it? They had it. We can have it. And the moment we understand what faith is and we have it, then, believe me, self-denial is going to be easy. Really? Wow, that's exciting, huh? I believe you, believe you me, it's exciting. They deny themselves, they picked up their cross, they obeyed God because they were looking for what? They were looking for what? Rewards. They were looking for their rewards. In Hebrews 11.6, I like this verse, For without faith, it is impossible to, to please God. For he who believes, right? He must consider God is God, and He is a rewarder of those who believe. Faith. You know, Pastor Nathan said, unless there is understanding, there will not be any change. Remember Jude, the brother of Jesus? He lived right in the home of Jesus, was with Jesus all along, but never got it. Right? Until... He understood who Jesus was. And the same thing is true for us. We can continue attending Bible studies and attending worship and we will never, ever, ever learn to deny ourselves. You know why? Because we have not understood. But the moment you understand, clarity will set in and then you'll be able to understand faith. And this morning, That's what I want us to understand. That's what I want us to see. To understand that faith is what? Faith is a trade-off. You know what a trade-off is? What's a trade-off? I give you some, you give me some. Right? Faith is a trade-off. Until you understand faith as a trade-off, you will remain weak as a Christian and will never probably even understand what faith means much less self-denial. Am I communicating? What is trade-off? Very simple. Giving up something in order to gain something else better. Right? That has to be the case. Why will you give it up if you are not convinced that you're getting something better? Right? Why do you think Moses gave up the pleasures of Egypt, and suffer with the people of God if he did not understand that there was a trade-off. Are you crazy? If I, don't, if I don't see something there, why will I give up something here? 
What's the difference? The problem, folks, is we do not see something good there because we're so focused on something here and everything is blurred. Right? What's the song? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look. Let me sing that, okay, so that you will wake up. <clears throat> Never mind. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. Next. In the light of His glory and grace. See? See? Giving up something in order to gain something else better, even rewards. Guys, you understand what trade-off means. Come on. You do. You have made trade-offs in your life. Haven't you? Young children, I know you do. For example... I did this. Those of you who are married, you gave up all of your girlfriends. And dami kong girlfriend, Brad. I gave them all up. All of your boyfriends, you gave them up just to be with someone. Someone special that you identified. Long, sleepless, breathless hours so that you can spend time with him so that you can get that ultimate yes. So that you can become girlfriend or boyfriend eventually get married. Right? Right, Mike? I mean, you know, you spend a lot of money calling long distance. That's trade-off, isn't it? I mean, you understand what trade-off is. And I don't see how come we, if we understand trade-off, we cannot even apply it to God. Right? What else? You gave up many Barkada fun nights and weekends just to study hard, to finish college, so that you can land a good job, right? That's trade-off. Some people would rather be out there and have fun because they have no idea what the future holds. But if they want to have a future which is bright, they have to trade off something here and now. That's called self-denial, isn't it? Isn't that self-denial? What else? You give up vacation, leisure time, work two jobs so that you can provide for your family and buy that dream house, that dream car, etc., etc., etc. Whether you like it or not, guys, you know what trade-off is. You're practicing it here and now. And all we have to do is to apply that principle and apply it to the biblical faith that we are talking about. What's the difference? You don't see the future. You don't believe that there's a future out there that Jesus promises, right? And you're still hanging on to what you have right now because what you have here is better. Wrong. You gave up your maids and your drivers in Manila so that you can be a servant here in CCF Los Angeles, right? You know, my wife, every time she thinks about Manila, she cries. Ooh. I know, honey. I'm your husband. Your servant now, okay? <laughs> Giving up something in order to gain something else better. Even rewards. You know, I denied myself by wearing this tie. I haven't worn a necktie in a year. But because somebody, somebody said this is special and we appreciate you, we gave you a tie. What did I do? I denied myself today, wore this thing and wore this thing even though I want to wear my own and rubber shoes. Guys, man, 
Self-denial. Self-denial is so, so real. Because you know what? I'm looking forward to the future that the person who gave me this will also give me a nice suit coming. Okay? That's what you call self-denial in faith. Trust me. And you know, I'm trying to give you a humor picturing exactly what God wants from us. Because you can do anything that is difficult if you're looking forward to that time when God will give you something even more special than what you have right now. Self-denial. Self-denial. Talk about trade-offs. There were three guys who had to cross the lake. You know, they had a, they had a problem. How can we cross this lake? It's impossible. It's so wide. The drawing is not that wide, but it's wide. So the first man said, Okay, let me see. I think I'll pray. So the first one prayed for strength. So he prayed for strength and then he dove right into the water. He swam and he almost drowned five times. But he lived. So the other two men were looking and they said, strength may not be right. So the second man prayed for what? Strength and tools. So the second man, you know, he prayed for strength and then he made a boat. Okay? A rowboat. So he started rowing and rowing and rowing. He felt so tired, he almost died rowing. So the third man was looking from afar. And he said, apparently strength and tools are lacking. So he prayed, I want strength, tools, and brains. Whoa, okay? And then all of a sudden, boom, he turned into a woman. Okay? The woman turned around, saw a bridge, and he crossed the bridge. <laughs> trade-offs, guys. Trade-offs. Men, are you willing to trade-off to become a woman just to become intelligent? Oh, man, I would. Because I'd be alive. Well, of course, I believe that women are more intelligent than men. But men are more good-looking. Okay. Never mind. Trade-offs. If only grandparents believed earlier how much fun grandchildren are. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you married people with uh, um, young adults. Okay? And have no, no married children and you have no grandchildren. If somebody will tell you that grandchildren are a delight and are so fun to be with, you would have made grandchildren first, right? No, no, I'm just trying to tell my children, Pagasawa na kayo, please. Understand. Faith. Faith as what? A trade-off. What's a trade-off? It is giving up something in order to gain something better else, something else better, even rewards. Moses. Look at the trade-off of Moses. Palace, riches, he chose to endure with the people of God. And then he thought, considering, he weighed, he weighed that it's better to be a prince of Egypt or even a king of Egypt that is less than if I were to suffer for Christ. Why? For he was looking for a reward. He was looking for a reward. He denied himself 
He traded off those things because he was looking for a reward. Do you see the reward that God is offering you guys? If you can't see it, then you will never, ever deny yourself. And don't be surprised why we are lukewarm. And don't be surprised why we are just going around defeated. Half of what God wants us to be. Because we don't believe in the promises which God has given us. Moses instead believed. He believed the promises which God had given to his forefather Abraham and his people. The promised land he believed and the promised Redeemer he believed. That's why he would rather suffer with Christ, for Christ, for the future, than rather stay in Egypt and be a prince or experience the pleasures and riches of life. He saw the reward. Do you see the reward? How come they, the whole of faithers I call them, easily believe in God's promises while we, the whole of doubters, do not? How come? Well, they had faith. Yeah, but pastor, I still don't understand it. I, can't, I cannot see the future. No matter what you tell me, it's still so hazy. I cannot see it. How come they saw it and we don't? How come they did? How come Paul did? How come Peter did? How come they did? How come David did, for example? David, young kid, he fought Goliath. What did he say? You know what? If the God who saved me from the paw of the lions and the paw, the paw of a bear delivered me, he will deliver me from this what? Uncircumcised Philistines, even though he's big. You see that? He fought because he had experience with God. What about Gideon? Gideon was tasked by God to take care of all of the Midianites and destroy them. What happened? You know, God, are you sure you're going to be with me? Can you please prove to me that you're going to be with me? Why, why don't I try this fleece? First, make the fleece dry, or oh, make the fleece dry if all the place is wet. So in the morning, everything is wet. He squished the fleece, fleece of wool, and what? Water came out. And then he did not believe. He said, Oh, okay, Lord, tomorrow reverse it. Okay? Make everything dry. Okay? And then make the, 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 the fleece wet. When he woke up in the morning, everything was wet, uh, dry, and then he squeezed it. What happened? The water came out. Right? They, they, what, what do you see here? They are beginning to see God in the real sense. What about Peter the Apostle? He was, he was a fisherman, right? He went fishing one day. The whole night, he didn't catch anything. And then what did Jesus do? He came over and said, come on, let's go back there. Let's go back there. And... By the way, drop your net. Lord, we've done this the whole time. Wala naman nangyari. Just do. And what they did was they dropped the net and what happened? They got a big catch. And the net was almost what? Breaking. Right? And you know what? There's, there's Joshua. Joshua, the military man. God said, march around the city seven times. And then the walls of Jericho will fall. You know, if you were Joshua, will you believe that? No, he, but he obeyed. And everything, he saw right before his eyes, the wall of Jericho falling without anything except what? Blowing of trumpets. What am I trying to say? The Apostle Paul, 
For example, he himself, he was, he was, he was the persecutor and the, the, the killer of all Christians. What did God do to him? He blinded him and he made him see after three days. Right? You know, they, they went through what? A lot of things. Special. God allowed them to experience his presence in their lives. And I will repeat this question. How come this hall of faithers easily believe in God's promises while we, the doubters, do not? Amen! She got it. Her understanding is becoming clear. And I hope our, our understanding will become clear. Here's my thesis. Every single one of them had deep personal encounters with Jesus and with God that made them believe. To become more faithful, more faithful, and even more faithful over time. Does that make sense to you? Every single one of them. Every single one of them. Peter, like I said, when he saw that harvest, what did he say? Depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinner. But God said, no, come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of man. Over time, because of this deep personal experience of a living God right before his eyes, he was never the same. This same Peter had grown in his faith that he could walk on water. <laughs> wow, I told myself. There must be something about seeing Jesus. Huh? What was that? Wow, right? And then, all of a sudden, he started to lose faith. He dropped in the water again, but Jesus picked him up. You see, the fact that Jesus picked him up was right there, presence of a God who is faithful to meet your needs wherever. Every single one of them had a deep personal encounter with God. Moses, the burning bush. Can you believe that? The bush that will never, will never burn out. If you only have that experience, I think you will be, you and I will become like Moses, right? But you will say, eh, siya meron ako, wala. Eh, siya na lang. No, but that's not what God wants. The point is this. They all had deep personal encounter with God. What happened? Then he obeyed the command. He went before Pharaoh and his staff became a snake. And then the seven, the ten plagues thereafter, he led the people out of Egypt. He was never the same man, wasn't he? Right? And then, in fact, right before his eyes, God wrote the Ten Commandments in the tablet. And that, to me, was an amazing experience. And when he went down, his face was glorified and he had to cover himself. Right? And after that, believe me, this man was never the same. Why? You know, if you were the guy who parted the Red Sea, okay, you will never be the same. You know, I was hoping that God or Moses was in New Jersey today so that he can part, you know, the subway and everything will be there. Believe me, everybody will believe in Moses. You know, see, they were never the same. They had their own personal experience with God. Deep personal encounters with God, meaning God's presence. Guys, God's presence. We're still on the same topic. We want to be intimate with God so that we will feel His presence. What will, that, what will that do with us? It will make us even more faithful over time. It will make us not lukewarm. It will make us be able to deny ourselves eventually and do 
what we need to do. I want to share with you my own personal faith story. You know, I was in corporate. I did not heed God. For a long time, I was teaching the Bible, but I was in corporate. And, you know, there was this invitation of me to go to full-time ministry, but I keep saying no. I will continue working as a corporate guy. I will enjoy my life as a corporate person, traveling with my wife all over the world. And when I come to come back to the Philippines, every time I do that, I teach the Bible. What's wrong with that, God? Okay. But I want you full-time, God is telling me. No, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. You know what God did? Because He loves me, and He always disciplined those whom He loves, He gave me a sickness. When I came home from abroad once, the Philippines, and there was a retreat, um, uh, something struck my spinal cord. Not column, cord. Okay, I didn't know that until I was diagnosed a week after. I was in the hospital. I could not move in pain. I was, I was really in pain, and I could not walk. Um, I could not move. And then uh, I, uh, I, was, I was just told by the doctor, my wife was told by the doctor that um, I was sick of something serious that can make me paralyzed for the rest of my life. Um, my wife knew that, but I didn't know that. So the option for the doctor was doctor to operate on me quickly. When they found out what was wrong with me, um, they operated with me quickly, very quick. They gave me no choice. After the surgery, um, a day after, uh, I still could not uh, know what's happening with me because I could not move my lower, my legs. I could move my arms, but I could not move my legs. And so uh, I was told that uh, I had trans- transverse myelopathy and a bacteria ate my spinal cord and it damaged it like really bad. And um, I, was, I was a person who was diagnosed to um, be paralyzed for the rest of my life. As you can see, I'm standing, so that, it never happened. Um, uh, so the doctor said that I only have a 15% chance of walking. And so, you know, that, those, in the nights in the hospital, I understood what I was sick about. And the fact that I could not move my, my, my feet, my legs, you know, made me depressed. And it made me feel so bad about what's happening in my life. And I was, I was disappointed with God. Because I told God, God, why are you doing this to me? I'm teaching the Bible. I'm a leader of a church. I'm preaching even on Sundays in CCF Manila. All I'm doing is doing my corporate work. How come you can do this to me? And how come, how, do you understand what's going to happen to me for the rest of my life? I told God. You know, I can't play golf. Can you imagine that? Okay? I will miss all of the things that I, I, I enjoy doing. You know, God was silent. And, you know, and God was so silent, I even felt even depressed. Can you imagine staying days after the surgery, your, your wife sleeping, and I was there lying in bed, looking up under heaven, talking to God, saying, why, why me? Why this? And, you know, and then, and then it dawned upon me that, hey, you know, uh, what, is, what is being paralyzed compared to being in heaven? You know, that, that never occurred to me. And then I said, you know, Lord, uh, first of all, I think what's more important is I am a Christian and I'm saved. And you know what? As I thought about that situation in the hospital bed for, for at least three nights, looking up on the ceiling, I told myself, Lord, I don't like it, but if this is what you want for me, I can accept it. You know why, Lord? Because you know why I can accept it? Because I know I'm going to heaven anyway. Because in heaven, I know I'll be able to walk. Alright? 
I, I was looking forward to something that gave me hope. And because of that, I was able to deny myself and say, stop complaining, shut up. Alright? God told you already to go full-time. Ang tigas-tigas ng ulo mo. You'd rather go around the world, have fun, and then come back, straddling at the fence, and be lukewarm. Right? And what did God do? You know, He shook me from my comfort zone, took away everything, and then made me realize, whatever I can give you, I can take away. And then I said, Lord, okay, I can accept this. I can be paralyzed for the rest of my life. I can do my job anyway. Just put me in a wheelchair. When I get to heaven, I can still play golf, right? You know, I, I was humoring with him, and then all of a sudden, I had peace. And when I understood what it means to deny myself and just surrender to God, you know, two days after I did that, I had peace. And then all of a sudden, my toes began to move. Guys, I walked. And that is deep personal encounter with God. I'm telling you, I'm, I will not be like this if not for this reminder that God made me walk. Every morning when I wake up, my legs are stiff. Every single morning since 1998. And I never complain. Because I'm walking. I'm not in a wheelchair. I can do anything because I can, I can, I can face any challenge because I was able to walk and God reminds me every day, just deny yourself. I can bring you to where I want you to be and I can make it better. Ever since that time, I saw God in every single detail of my life and I became faithful. A deep personal encounter is what we all need. I submit to you, and I'm not bragging about it. I cannot, I cannot be a marathon runner like my son. You know, but it's okay. I can walk. I can still beat Ulrich. And, and Edwin in golf, anytime. I see, I'm the oldest. I am the weakest. I'm the smallest. Ako pa nagbibigay ng plus. Okay? Now tell me about that. Isn't that, isn't God good? Right? Because I have been faithful because God has been faithful. Folks, I'll end with this. We need to have deep personal encounters with Jesus. You need to grow in your faith. I want you to ask yourself the question. If those people can do what they did and were blessed by God, how come I can't? Maybe perhaps you have not had your own deep personal encounter with God. Maybe you need to ask God, Lord, give me my own deep personal encounter so that I will never be the same. Trading off our selfish lives for self-denial because we know, we know that Jesus will be able to deliver on His promises. Amen? From the very beginning, Abraham, our patriarch, has been, it has all been about trusting by faith. Trusting who? The object of our faith. Is it possible that you, you say you have faith, but you don't actually believe in the object of your faith? That your, your Christ cannot really do what he said he will do? Like what? Submit to your husband in everything. 
Oops. Hola, looking at you. Okay, young, young. Uh -huh. <laughs> Bonnet. Mm -hmm. Why will I submit to God in everything? That's super self-denial. What if God does not meet and deliver His promises that He will change my husband? You see? Because you are doubting the object of your faith to deliver what He promised, what will you do? You will not be submissive. And because you're not submissive, you will never, ever experience the presence of God or experience a deep personal relationship with Him. You will never have your own encounter. Look at Romans 4. In hope against hope, Abraham believed so that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken. So shall your descendants be. God promised Abraham to be what? The father of a great nation. Then look at verse 19. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body. Ilan taon na, pastor? 100 years old, no? Now, as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Si Sarah, barren. Siya, 100 years old. Daddy, how old are you? 83. Bata pa si daddy compared kay Abraham. Right? And Abraham was saying, ha, 100 years old. How can I have a baby? You know? Sarah, barren. How? And yet, look at verse 20. Yet, with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully, look at this, being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able to perform. God promises you many things. A lot of things. If you take a look at the promises of the Bible, He promises you many things. Deliverance from your trials and temptations. Victory over sin. He gives you all of this. But how come we still are there? You know why? Because we do not believe the object of our faith can deliver on His promises. We tell right away, oh, maybe God, is, that's not for me. Maybe God will not do it for me. That's where you go wrong. And you know what? Until you have your deep personal encounter with God, you will always be like that. I'm not sure whether God will meet my needs. You see, if God made me walk, what is there that I cannot believe that God will give to me? Guys, see what I'm saying? And I, I am pleading to you. Ask God, give me my own personal encounter, please. Can you please let the rock fall right now? Okay, God, no, I'm not asking that for you. Okay? God will, you know, perhaps there's a boss right there that's so hard to deal with. Perhaps there's a, a child right there, or a son, or a, or, or a wife, or a neighbor. I don't know. Whatever you're going through right now. And if, if you think that that is not enough, enough or good enough for you yet, why don't you ask God for a bigger challenge? But this time, trust Him. For when He meets you, He will deliver. And when He delivers, you will never be the same. What will happen is this. At the end of the day, guys, at the end of the day, you and I will be here together in CCF LA, building up one another to love God above all. Don't you think I love God above all else now that He made me walk instead of being in a wheelchair for the rest of my life, guys? You know, because of that, I love God. Delight, I, I am so delighted in what God can do because He has proven Himself. Diba? You know, 
experiencing and getting thrilled with God because God can deliver, di ba? Ganun lang yun eh. But we we keep we keep missing it because we actually don't have a deep personal experience to talk about. Well, pastor, ikaw kasi isba ka. Eh kami ordinary Christians lang kami. No. Believe me, the moment you hear God's word or God's voice saying, "Be a good wife. Do this. Do the impossible. Be a good husband. Do this. Be a, be a good children. Obey your parents." You know, all of those things. This those are difficult things. You know, uh, submit to an unreasonable boss. Okay? Give all of your money to CCFLA. Okay? You know? No, no, no. Don't do that. Okay? Because maybe you might say, ah, baka they might just do something else different. Guys, remember? You know, all we're doing is going back to the basic. What we're trying to do is to build one another up to supremely love God above all. Maybe what I'm trying to say is this. Maybe your love for God is not there yet because you have not really experienced God. And all we are doing right now is if you and I will just listen and have the faith to be able to do things which God have not made you do before and then overcome it and be successful, you will never be the same and then you will develop supreme love for God. What I'm saying is this. Faith, discipleship, they're all the same. Christianity is simple and it's not complicated. You know what complicates it? Our selfish nature complicates it. Christianity is very simple. Just trust God, obey unconditionally all that He commands. Why? Because you and I believe that He can deliver on His promises. Trust. Obedience and surrender bring deep personal experiences that reward us big time. Maybe our own Red Sea will part one day. Okay? To make us believe and love Him more and more, to obey Him more and more. Because you and I are delighted. You know, we bring you to the trees. We, we, we shared with you being Holy Spirit filled and led because that's what you need to be discipled. Pastor Nathan shared with you that understanding precedes intimacy with God. These are all things. These are all trees. Okay? And then, Pastor Reggie shared with us, sorry, Pastor Reggie shared with us, do not be lukewarm. And today, I shared with you something about what? Deep personal encounter with God, which makes you more even obedience. And you know what? That's the, the forest actually is all about discipleship. And I'm going to end here. Our, our job and our responsibility as your leaders is to always give you the big picture. You know, we talk about faith, but this faith is all about discipleship. We're here to make loving, committed followers of Christ. And followers of Christ have deep personal experiences with God so that they will obey God in everything. To follow God, to deny themselves because they know that God can make His promises true in the future. The Great Commission. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, make disciples. That by itself, folks, requires self-denial. And for us to make disciples, okay, disciples are, are made, not born. For us to make disciples, we will have to teach them how to love God above all and to trust God that He will do what He says or He will be with us forever. We would like you to change. We would like you to be faithful because we would like to continue to believe that our local church 
can be the hope of this nation. And the only way that we can change this nation is if we, the people of God, will learn how to be discipled, develop supreme love for God, study God's Word, deny self, and then eventually Christ-likeness towards others. We just keep going around these things, as you can see. But until you have your own deep personal experience, until you grow in faith, until you trust God for what He can promise us, for what He promised rather, we will not grow in our faith. To grow in faith, understand trade-off is involved. Make your trade. It is worth it. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. And, and my prayer for all of us, Lord, is right now, would you give every single one of us, Lord, that personal experience, deep as it can be. I don't know what that is, Lord, for many of us. But I'm sure my brothers and my sisters here, Lord, would like to experience that. And I pray that uh, in your own divine, sovereign way, you will allow them their own deep personal experiences so that when they do that, Lord, they can learn to trade off the things of this world for the things of heaven. For denying themselves for the purpose of knowing you and seeing you as more faithful. Father, would you meet the cries of our hearts today? Um, we we, we want to be like Moses. We want to be like Paul. We want to be like Peter. We want to be like all of these guys, Lord, who were, who were not lukewarm, but they gave up the passing pleasures of this life, Lord, for something. So help us to see you, Father, in our own small ways first. If we need to obey you, Lord, in, in, even in the small areas of our lives, would you allow us to do that? And then, Lord, promise me, promise us that you will show yourself to us in a most miraculous, deep way that you have shown it to your people of the past. Show it to me, Lord, beyond any reasonable doubt, so that I can learn to deny myself and trade my present for the future. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Okay, here are the questions, okay, so we can break out. These are the questions that I want for you. First question, what is your deep, life-changing personal encounter with Jesus or God's story? Do you have one? Share with others how it has helped you trust and believe God more. If none, number two, perhaps there is something you need to do to experience one. What do you think that is? Trade-off perhaps for a promise that God, or a promise from God that you have to believe. Finally, what will it take for you to make a step forward in faith? Okay, can we, can we break out now?